This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. All right, so now let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3. And I want to pick up tonight with uh, verse number 8, and we were primarily ending our Wednesday night service last week with this particular passage. Peter is giving us in chapter 2 a responsibility that we have with our governments. And by the way, let me, let me take a moment to say this, that I, I don't believe that there's one person in this auditorium tonight or that's watching by internet that has not been made aware of the horrible tragedy that took place yesterday in Texas with 18 children murdered and uh, a teacher as well. This is another piece of evidence how depraved the world is and how desperately they need Jesus. And I was thinking about it because, in fact, I woke up at 2 o'clock last night in the morning and uh, I couldn't go back to sleep. So many things were going across my mind. With the, um, when you consider the age of these precious children in second grade and third grade and fourth grade. Um, my prayer is that these, these children had parents that took them to church and took them to Sunday school and taught them the love of Jesus. And they're just innocent little children and uh, it's devastating. It's devastating that this kind of thing happens we hear about it more so than not uh, in a variety of different ways, whether it's in grocery stores or schools or churches or whatever. And it, um, we just need to pray, even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. That needs to pray, be the prayer of our faith. And so um, you you pray for these families as they try to function today and tonight and tomorrow and for the rest of their lives, how tragically it's been altered and affected. And uh, we just need to pray for one another in a time like this. And this little talk that I give you now, I think coincides with verse number eight. It says, finally, be ye all of one mind and having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. And there is a passage of scripture I don't have on the media board tonight, um, but one that comes to my mind when I read this particular verse. It's found in the book of Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 10, where Paul said this, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men especially unto them who are of the household of faith. And so when we embrace verse number eight tonight, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, I think that the love of Christ should always be evident in our lives, always. The scripture says, by their fruits you shall know them. 
And we have an awesome responsibility as believers to let other people see Jesus in us. And so again, the love of Jesus ought to be shown and demonstrated in our, in our life. Uh, I think that's the message of Jesus to let our light so shine. We are the salt and the light as the scripture declares. Now there's an interesting word here, pitiful. And I, I want you to look at this because I have a footnote in my uh, reference notes tonight in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 32. The scripture says this, and it coincides with this very perfectly. It's blended very well with this verse. Paul again was saying this, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And what happened yesterday in our nation is just one of, it's a fraction of evidence how the world all around us is a very cruel and cold and depraved uh, place and uh, how we need to pray for one another and uh, those around us every day. Now look at this part. It says, and have compassion. That's talking about as well uh, being courteous, to be thoughtful, uh, to be considerate. These these traits ought to come natural in our lives as born-again believers. The, this, is, this is what Jesus was, and the Word tells us to be like him. To, and he said, to follow my example. And, and I want to assure you of something. Just in a very simplistic way, rudeness is definitely not one of the fruits of the Spirit. I think so many times we can get wrapped up in, in a world of frustration that we do not really take into consideration uh, the, the weight of words we speak or the manners in which we deal with one another. But try your best to demonstrate the fruits of the Spirit and remember that rudeness is not one of them. Verse number 9 is basically a continuation of verse number 8. And it says, Not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but contrawise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. And so I don't think that it should be our goal or our motive, or even our desire to get even with people that do us wrong. And by the way, this word railing here in the scripture is talking about abuse. I don't think that the motivation of the Holy Spirit in our life is, is to seek revenge and to uh, deal uh, abruptly with people in the way of vengeance. In fact, Paul made it clear in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 19. He said, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And so 
There's another classic illustration of Scripture that I want to give you along these lines tonight, and it's found in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 14. And uh, there was a certain man, a certain individual in, in the church in the early days, in the ministry of the Apostle Paul, that was just cantankerous. He, he reminded me of Sanballat in the days of Nehemiah. And this person here, his name was Alexander, and Paul made no hesitation to expose this man by name. And he not only identified him by name, but he identified him as what he did as a profession, what he did to make his livelihood. Because Paul wanted to clear it up. He wanted everybody to know exactly what Alexander he was talking about. He said, Alexander the coppersmith. All of you know him. And he said this, this man did me much evil. And by that, Paul was saying that every step I took, he was a ball and chain to my ministry. He stood in the way. He, he was not willing for the Lord to work freely. And he caused me much havoc. He caused discord in the church. He was an abomination. He was everything uh, that reflected what he was before his transformation on the Damascus Road. And so, but Paul said, listen, this individual here has caused me much trouble. And uh, he certainly had occasion and opportunity to deal with this thing himself. But he said, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to turn him over to God. And he said, the Lord is going to repay him because of what his deeds are, what he's doing to me. And the bottom line to that is this. I promise you, no matter what aggravation or what type of uh, problems or hostilities that people can cause in your life to hinder your walk in the faith, believe me, the way that the Lord handles the matter is far better than anything we could all do together. And so that's what Paul said, the Lord reward him for what he is doing and what he has done. And so verse number 10, let's look at this. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that speak no guile. By the way, I want you to hold your place here because this and you might want to write in the margin of your Bible as a footnote. This is a part of a quotation in the book of Psalms. And so if you are taking notes, I encourage you to write down Psalms chapter 34, verses 12 through 16, and I'm going to read that for you. Uh, and you can write that in your Bible in the margin there, and you can go back and reference it again in your leisure. But... I want us to look at this. Psalms 34, I'm going to read verse number 12 through 16. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil. 
You know what? When I think about that, the last person in the world that I would want to be against me is the Lord. To cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. And so that is basically a quotation. And David, by the way, wrote this particular psalm at a very critical and vulnerable part in his life. He wrote it when he was a refugee. And if you're not very familiar with this, it's important to reiterate it here. David, even known to be a man after God's own heart, there was a period of time in his life when he had a lapse of faith. That can happen to all of us from time to time. And you say, well, preacher, I, I don't know that I would ever I lose faith. Well, do you remember the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith? That believe me, there are times that your faith will be challenged. And you could very easily, don't ever say that would never happen to you because the word says, let him to think if he stand to take heed lest he fall. But David had a lapse of faith at a particular point in time in his life. If you remember, he at one point he was camping with the Philistines. Imagine that, David, of all people. The Philistines were among his greatest adversaries. And he was camping with them and, and even wanting to enlist in their armies. Unfortunately, David was doing some, some unthinkable things at this point and period of his life. Not only was he camping with the Philistines, he was also telling some lies. And so when Peter gets to this verse of Scripture and he makes reference to Psalms, there is no doubt that he is reminiscing these shortfalls in David's own experience. And by the way, Peter himself had his own experience with lies and guile. Look at this verse again. Verse 10 in First Peter chapter 3, verse 10. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips that speak no guile. So remember this. David is, is quoting a passage from Psalms in reference to the lapse of faith that David had. But you have to remember something here. Peter is exposing himself in a way. And by the way, let me say this. If you read the book of Jonah... Somebody asked me, I have been asked this question before about the life of Jonah. Did Jonah ever repent? Well, in my opinion, in my study, yes, he did. And the reason why I say yes, he did is because he did write chapter 4 and he exposed himself for what he had done. And only a repented person would do that. Peter as he's drawing reference from David's life by using a quotation in the psalm, I want to remind you of something. He had his own experience with lies and God. Do you remember the night that he was warming his hands around the fire and the damsel approached him and said, you're one of this man's disciples. Do you remember what he said? I know not the man. And he denied the Lord three times. And that was a lie. He did know the man. And so, but by now, when you get to this passage of Scripture, Peter's had quite a change of heart. He has learned 
not only from David's life, he's not only learned from the experiences in his life, uh, and he's made much change and repentance. Now look at this in verse number 11. He said, let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. And I believe that all of us should seek to live an orderly life and stay out of trouble. That should be our desire. Some people, you've heard the old expression where trouble just follows them. And they're in trouble more than they're not. It's unfortunate, but that happens. That ought not to be something that we as believers keep our sights set on. We should do everything we possibly can to avoid it, to stay out of it. There are times we cannot help it. Sometimes there are circumstances that we cannot change, and it knocks on our door. But it should not be a Christian manifestation that we constantly knock on the door of trouble, that we seek it, we desire it, and we, we loathe in it. That ought not to be. And in verse number 12, the, the word says this, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Again, one of the most heart-wrenching things I believe that a person could experience is when the Lord was against you. None of us desire that. None of us seek that. And in this case, Peter is saying that our prayers, and we've read that also in chapter 3 already, that our prayers are, are hindered for different mannerisms that we engage in. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And the worst thing that a Christian can do is to get ourselves in such an unrepented mess that the Lord is against us. In verse number 13, the word says, And who is he that will harm you? If you be followers of that which is good. So in Matthew chapter 5, I have a footnote here to reference that, and you put that in your Bible if you'd like to, and uh, you can go back again in your leisure and study this further. But I want to give you this passage as a side note in Matthew chapter 5. In verse number 10 through 12, the word says, Blessed are they, Jesus, by the way, is speaking these words. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And so Peter himself had experienced the cruel hand of persecution uh, by the Jews. And at this particular point in time, again, as I have mentioned previously, that Nero was the, the main guy in charge of uh, the era of this time period, and Christians were experiencing uh, not only persecution by the hand of Nero, but they were also experiencing great severe persecution by the Gentiles as well. And so I want you to look at this word followers here in verse number 13. And who is he that will harm you if you be followers? You might want to underline that word. I have a a habit of doing that in my notes to make 
special uh, notations of key words that help us to understand the passage a little bit more. And beside the word followers, I write down this reference, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 16. And Paul said, Wherefore I beseech ye, be ye followers of me. Now, let me say this. Sometimes there is a high price to following Jesus. A, a big price to pay. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me and take it up daily and follow me. And the cross life can be and has been and will be a very difficult life at times. It's not all difficult. But when we hit those particular seasons in our life, the cross life is difficult because there's a high price to follow Jesus. Some of you have experienced it in your families. And where your family members are not saved or they're not as close to the Lord. You, you're you very familiar with the old song that says, Jesus, keep me near the cross. There's a precious fountain. I promise you this, that the closer you stay to the cross, the closer you will be to the battle. And the closer you are to the battle, the more vehement the devil will fight you. That's just a fact. And so Peter had experienced persecution firsthand and many different ways of the Jews and the Gentiles. And uh, he was very well familiar of this high premium, this high price of following Jesus. And in verse number 14, but he says, and if ye suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. I can only imagine what Peter must have been thinking at this particular point when the Holy Spirit was moving him to write this passage because Jesus, let me say this, and I'm going to show you an interesting passage tonight. When Peter got to this passage of Scripture, and we know that all Scripture is given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, you have to remember something. Peter was already well rehearsed because Jesus had told him, long before he wrote this, what type of death he was going to suffer. Now, you might say, well, preacher, I've never seen that before. So remember, Nero was in charge. He was brutalizing Christians. Peter knew that Jesus was crucified, and Jesus, long before he wrote this, had told Peter about the mannerism, the kind of death he would face. And the scripture for that, let me give it to you real quickly. I may have time to read this and close out tonight. And you may not be familiar with this passage, but this is what Jesus told Peter much earlier than this passage we're reading tonight. In John chapter 21, verses number 18 and 19. Now, while you're turning, let me remind you of this. Peter is saying in 1 Peter 3.14, But, and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid. Peter was saying, don't be afraid, knowing all the while what was going to happen to him for following Jesus, the high cost of following Jesus. And he said, 
Be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Now, this is what Jesus told him long before Peter wrote this passage. In John chapter 21, verse number 18 and 19, Jesus said this, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou was young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. When thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. If you're not familiar with the brutality of the death that Peter, Peter, he acknowledged, he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. And he ultimately was crucified upside down. If you don't possess a copy of Fox's Books of Martyrs, I encourage you to get one. It's one of the most prized possessions in my library. Fox's Books of Martyrs. It will tell you how all of these early Christians, these apostles were uh, martyred for the cause of Christ. In my personal opinion, Bartholomew suffered the most uncomprehendable death because Bartholomew, in many ways, in his last breaths, he was filleted alive for the cause of Christ. But Jesus here, now let me read verse number 19. This spake he, Jesus, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And, and I was just recently sharing this with some folks that sometimes God can get more glory in our death than he can in our life. And this, in this particular case, Jesus was saying to Peter, I'm telling you how you're going to die. This is going to happen, Peter, signifying what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, follow me. So Jesus said, listen, Peter, you're going to the cross as well. That's not going to be pleasant. It's going to be brutal. But he said, follow me. And that's why in 1 Peter 3, he says this, but if you suffer for righteousness, sake, and this is his admonishment to us, him writing, knowing all along what was going to happen to him, encourages us. He says, but if you suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror. Now think about that. The position he was in when he was writing the scripture, knowing all along what was going to happen, he said, neither be troubled. Well, we've got to close here tonight. And so it's a good stop in place. The Lord willing, we'll pick up here with verse number 15. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.